welcome to A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. Whether your kids are three months old or 33 years old, we can live with each other in a way that gives life. That's A Life Shared. I'm Ellen Martin. Glad you joined us. Today's guest, Kate Irwin, oversees the children's programming at the Jessamine County Public Library. Kate loves books, but she also knows that books aren't the only ways to cultivate learning and imagination in the lives of our kids. From audiobooks, cooking, memes, and hobbies, listen in to how you can cultivate learning and imagination in the lives of the children you love. As a mother of five children, how my children engage books varies pretty widely. I have kids who devour books. I have kids who used to devour books, but now are very hands-on doing lots of activities. And yet sometimes I'll say, how did you learn about that? And they were like, hello, the internet, I read stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, yeah. And, and I've realized more and more that reading isn't limited to a book the habits of cooking in our family, that they're having to actually read recipes that they're either getting out of a cookbook or off the internet, or they are interested in a new hobby. And so they're doing research on the internet to learn more about it. Some of our kids are our earlier children who loved being read to and then having a child who didn't. I was very confused. Um, you know, and I had read Jim Trelease's classic, the read aloud handbook. I even had a friend who was like, Ellen, I don't think that was made to be read from, you know, cover to cover. It's a resource. And I'm like, no, it was made for me to read cover to cover. Um, you know, what would you say to parents who are listening? And they were like, I want my children to love books, but they don't. Yes. So I definitely can, um, relate to that. My, I have two children of my own. Um, my daughter is, uh, she loves books. She loves to read. She, we have to t- make her stop reading at nights because she has to go to sleep. My son, and not to be, you know, stereotypical, but a lot of times it is the girls versus the boys. Um, that my son, he, um, he, it's, it's, he struggles a little bit more to find what he's really interested in mm-hmm. and reading is a little bit more of a chore for him. So, you know, what we try to do at home, but also here at the library is it's not just books. It's right. not just reading. It's, it's, more so about just instilling a love for learning Mm -hmm. and knowing that books are a resource where you can learn. There are great videos online and great videos um, on, on television. You can learn all sorts of places. You can learn from people. Mm -hmm. Um, So books are one place. And a lot of times what it, what it comes down to is finding what your child is really interested in mm-hmm. a lot of times parents get kind of fixated on well you know my child is in elementary school they're supposed to read chapter books and want to read stories and mysteries and that might be true but it's not always true a lot of kids really gravitate towards um non-fiction they yes. just like to learn the facts especially yes. the boys <laughs> yes and that that is reading that yeah. is learning that is just as valuable as sitting down and reading you know a, a novel and oh, yeah. so we really just want to teach the kids that, you know, you can, how to use the resources that are available to you, mm-hmm. where you can find information that you want to find, whether it's for school, whether it's for, I need to learn how to do something. I need to fix something. I need to make something or just for fun. I'm curious about, you know, Mount Everest or whatever, or a hobby that all that information you can find in various places in the library in books are one of those places. You know, and that's why I think our collection is so diverse in the 
types mm. of books that we offer. We obviously have, you know, the picture books. We have the books, the, uh, the, the chapter books for the kiddos who enjoy those. We have series. But we have lots and lots of nonfiction books. And we have yes. graphic novels, which are becoming more and more popular. Um, they kind of got a bad rap for a while. A lot of people thought, well, that's not really reading. Oh, okay. Yeah. Graphic novels saved yeah. us. And, yeah. you know, as a mother of five boys, I, we were not the typical boys don't like to read story. Um, I was a graduate student. My husband was a graduate student when our oldest was young and I annotate, I write in books while I'm reading. And I had to like teach my firstborn not to do that. <laughs> you know, he would sit with a pen and start writing in his books. So I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We don't do that on the board books. No, no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I have modeled this really well to you. My early kids, they loved reading. My younger three, yeah, not so much, but we've gotten there in that gradual, just modeling, reading books and sharing things with them, reading things aloud. I had this idea that you quit reading aloud to children when they reached a certain age because they were able to read now. And when I did read, I'm not recommending you to read Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook listeners. No, that's not the point of this episode. But you know, one of the things that I took away from that is don't stop reading aloud just because your children can read. And that was kind of an aha for me. And so I kept reading things aloud at different times, things I enjoyed. And it, while it's on a totally different scale, I have a child who will come to me with memes all the time, reading them aloud to me. Well, and it's a sure. snapshot. It's just a moment, but it's still us sharing something with each other that we enjoy. And I think at the end, that's really kind of part of it. I have a child who started, like you said, with nonfiction. I don't think he enjoyed reading a chapter book until the third or fourth grade. And it started because I was reading aloud to younger brothers books that I thought he would really like. And I'll never forget one night, a book that he had totally discarded when I offered it to him because it was chapter book and he didn't want to read chapter books. So I was reading it aloud to our family and he's like, can I take that to bed? And I was like, this one, I thought you didn't want yeah. to read this book. And he was like, yeah, that one. And I was like, sure. Yeah, that's fine. And he devoured it. It was the first chapter book yeah. he ever read. So I think part of it is just kind of like food that you want your kids to eat, just offering it and offering it and offering it in different ways and waiting them, for them to finally take a bite. And, you know, reading aloud together creates such a really, um, a really nice atmosphere too. families are so busy. So mm. they can even just read together, you know, while they're eating dinner, you can share something and you can share your, um, you're sharing the story. You can share your ideas on it. We have a family book club that we offer here at the library that focuses exactly on that. Um, creating a space for the family to share time reading aloud together. And you never get too old to listen to a story. Think about it. Even as an adult, you love to listen to stories. That's what, I mean, podcasts, right? Yeah. Um, so kids, even, you know, middle school, high school, they might act like they're too, they're too cool, but <laughs> they really do love it. And another way is um, audiobooks. My kids love audiobooks. They're great for in the car. Um, we can share stories where people are driving to visit family and it's going to be a long way. All the classics that are available, I just love them. And my kids are always, every time we get in the car, can you listen to an audiobook? And it's like, well, we're only going five minutes down the road, but you know, sure, we can turn it on for a minute, but yeah, they <laughs> love audiobooks. 
One of the things that really helped my student who needed active support from the school system to become a reader, it was a huge celebration when at the beginning of the school year, the teacher's like, we're not so sure he still needs these services. And I said, I appreciate that. We reviewed that at his last meeting back in the spring, but he needs to prove it definitively. If he wants out, he's going to have to read his way out. That became his goal. And within the first nine weeks of the school year, he did just that. He read his way out. And he is now a library aide. So, so oh, I contacted his first reading teacher support and I was like, guess what happened? And she's like, I knew it. I knew one day. Part of why I mentioned that is we got him into chapter books through audiobooks. I mean, for me, I viewed it at first as a crutch until the reading lab teacher was like, no, 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 no. This is a smart strategy. This supports him. This connects knowledge of what the word is to the word. After she said that, I was like, well, duh, doesn't that make sense? But as an uninformed parent who had never dealt with that before, it just seemed like it was making it too easy that instead of having to learn how to read, he was being read too. And so it's really amazing sometimes, like you said, I love that the library has resources to help us as parents who really want the best for our kids to connect the dots so we can give them the best resources they need. And audiobooks were the entry into chapter books for him. He devoured the Harry Potter series because of audiobooks. And he then was able to in turn become a confident reader at a lower level of reading without audiobooks until now he's on age. And it's really kind of amazing after the years of the journey. You give people permission to engage books you equip them with resources and you encourage them by the way you welcome them and create space for them to enter into a world that only books can afford. Who is someone who has invested in you and because of them, you're able to do what you do? I'm obviously a product of many people who invested in my life. Um, So obviously my family, I come from a very large family um, I have my parents, three sisters, grandparents, um, aunt, uncle, cousins. We all um, were very involved in each other's lives. We actually, all 14 of us, ate dinner together every single night growing up. Oh, my um, goodness. My Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, um, it was, an, it was you know, loud and, and messy, but it was just so rich and wonderful. Uh, and, and just um, everybody kind of being involved in their lives and pouring into each other and learning mm-hmm. from each other. Um, really just doing life together. That um, is so beautiful. On me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that just really, you know, showed me the importance of relationships and learning from others. So that kind of shapes my, who I am as a person, I think. I love it. I think it's really important for us to remember that while we pour into others, it is because of people who've poured into us. I regret I interrupted you in my surprise, but, you know, pulling off meals together as a family is difficult. Oh, yeah. One of the big questions at our house has become, how many people are eating tonight? (laughs) You know, I have two teenagers who have part-time jobs and they are not always here for dinner anymore. And, you know, one of the kids the other night commented about that. And I said, you know, before we turn around, he's not even going to live here. So as weird as it is that he's not here every night for dinner anymore, I think it's probably a gift to us to help us get ready for when he's not here 
every day. He's like, yeah. So to hear you talk about that many people gathering together nightly for dinner. Oh my gosh. What a treasure. Um, at the time I, uh, I didn't realize, you know, that it was out of the ordinary. We just, we did it every night and, um, we all would meet at my grandparents' house. My grandparents, um, retired um, so that they could take care of all the grandkids and so we all hung out up there after school and all the little kiddos the, the babies because you know with all that all that number of family there's various age ranges and we all just kind of helped take care of the little cousins and littler brothers and sisters and my grandparents would make dinner for all of us and we'd all hang out there we'd all gather there at the end of the day and sometimes people were running in and, and grabbing dinner and then running off to the next place or the next activity but we all knew that we could check in there and the mm. door was always open. You didn't have to knock and there would always be food. And I think it was a real gift to my, to my parents and my aunt and uncle, you know, being busy working parents, um, that that was one thing that they didn't have to worry about that was taken off their plate. And they knew that everybody would eat a nice home cooked meal. Um, and I know that such now looking back on it, it's so um, rare and it is such a huge gift. And I just feel really blessed that I was able to, to have that growing up. It seems fitting to wrap up this interview with asking you, what is one of your favorite children's books that you read at story time? Now, this is a tough question because I'm surrounded by books all the time. So I have two, if that's okay. Yes, um, it is okay. So my favorite that I read to younger, to little kids mm-hmm. is um, Pete the Cat. And I think anybody who has kiddos knows Pete the Cat. But I particularly love Pete the Cat and his four groovy buttons. Um, you know, it deals with math and all that great stuff. But at the end, I just love, you know, Pete's attitude. And it says, I guess it simply goes to show that stuff will come and stuff will go. But do we cry? Goodness, no. We keep on singing. And I just love that, that sentiment and then that, um, that moral. And I, you know, we need to try to instill that in kiddos and things come and go, but we just keep on singing. And another great book that I just love and love, love, and I, re- I re- um, recommend to parents with a little bit older kids, they can, uh, elementary and stuff, and I use this one in elementary story time, is called The Stick by Clay Rice. And it just really celebrates the importance of imagination. And I try to encourage our families and encourage the kiddos that I work with to use their imagination and pretend an open-ended play as much as possible um, because... Mm. Unfortunately, we don't get the chance to do that as much as we used to. Uh, We're big fans of imagination around here. We're very fortunate that our first child was able to see things that didn't yet exist and then would create them. And I'll never forget for his fifth birthday, all he wanted was tape and bungee cords. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and it was, a- it was so funny because mom was like, I'm sorry, what? And <laughs> she was a little like, uh, and I was like, no, really, he wants tape and bungee cords. And his early years were spent flourishing with things that he could make without instruction. Yeah. Like he would make dinosaurs out of tinker toys and because he read about dinosaurs or maybe you read to him about dinosaurs and he had tinker toys and so he started making dinosaurs and because I was a nursing mother for like 
10 years, they all had teats, yes. which was hysterical <laughs> because he didn't know that they weren't mammals. <laughs> You know, but that was part of what he did. And the tape, well, he had full access to my recycles, to cereal boxes, to cardboard boxes. And that child made more stuff out of just tape and leftovers that we didn't need anymore. Oh, the stick, the power of imagination. You know, you say, you know, we don't get to do that much anymore. But I, I think really it is what opportunities do we give our children to do it? Because that's still there. It just takes a little more intentionality and um, thoughtfulness, because as you said, it's a practice that could slip away if, if we let it. It's all about being intentional. Oh, and you know, that's funny that we looped back around because before the episode really started, I was talking about how my clients look at me and they're like, oh my gosh, being intentional is so much easier than just shooting from the hip. Intentionality really does afford the life we want to live. The fruit of it is far greater than reacting to things as they're shoved in front of our faces. Kate, I, uh, I appreciate your intentionality to set an environment at the Jessamine County Public Library that causes children and parents to long to be there and not just show up once, but come again and again. Absolutely. I, I love um, being able to spend some time with these families and maybe make a little bit of difference in their life. One of the things that I loved that Kate shared was what interests your kids and meet them there. So much of cultivating learning and imagination in the lives of the children we love, it's about meeting them where they are, discovering who they are, and connecting with that, not our expectations of who they are. It's like when one of my kids wanted tape and bungee cords for his birthday. I had bigger ideas of gifts for him, but I took a deep breath and I honored what it was he asked for as I let his interest become his life around him. And as we said, not every kid likes reading. I have some that do. I have some that don't. I have one who used to devour books and now eh, not so much, but boy, he reads manuals because they connect to his interest. When we can release the expectations that we have of what our kids are supposed to be reading, how they're supposed to be learning, amazing things happen. So you've got a third grader who's not reading chapter books. Let it go. Talk with them about life, about their interest, even if it doesn't interest you. And then put things in front of them. Offer them like a snack. And if they take to it, enjoy watching them love learning. And if they don't, well, if you got the book at the library, it costs you nothing except a little time. Try again. You can even encourage your child to just go up to the person working in the library and ask for what they're looking for. We can give our kids what they need when we see them for who they are and we meet them there. How might you cultivate learning and imagination in the life of the children you love? What's one thing that you heard today that you're like, I can do that. And while we do it, the fun thing is we're sharing life with our kids. We're discovering more of who they are, more of what interests them, creates opportunities for fabulous conversations. And together we're learning. 
their imagination expands, and ours does too, of all the ways we can share life with each other. Thanks for joining me, Ellen Martin, for this episode of A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. I hope in some way it helped you live with others in ways that give life. That's a life shared. It's what we were made for. Thank you.